Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. We continue our study of Matthew. We have been going through what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And one way of looking at this long section of Jesus' teaching is to think about it as a manual on discipleship. uh, A manual on what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And if you think about it, just in the past few weeks, uh, he has taught us uh, how to view our wealth. So Jesus and our wealth, what does uh, being part of Jesus' kingdom have to do with the way we view our wealth? Uh, Last week, how to defeat our worries. Uh, And then today, we're going to see how he addresses our relationships. Uh, And the passage we're going to look at today, 7, 1 through 12, uh, we're actually going to take it in two parts. I'm going to do part of it today uh, and then part of it next week. But I wanted to go ahead and and read it together uh, so that you can see kind of its unity. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you can use the church Bible there that's in the chair. You'll find today's passage on page 812. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. Jesus says, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we listen to your words, would you teach us how to relate? Would you change us by the power of your spirit? Would you change us deep down from the inside out so that we would be true people and not people who show one face to one group of people and one face to another, but that we would be truly renewed after your image? And we pray it in your name. Amen. What does a holy person look like? If you claim to follow Jesus, how is that revealed? How is that seen? How is that put on display? It's interesting that when Jesus describes what holiness or righteousness looks like, 
he often describes it in terms of our relationships. See, when we think about, or at least I won't claim to speak for you, but when I think about myself, when we think about holiness or righteousness or obedience, uh, we often think about maybe spiritual disciplines, all the different things that I'm doing for God. So I can be at church, and here's what Jesus is saying, I can be at church every time the doors are open. And since I'm the one who usually opens the doors, I typically am. Uh, I can spend four hours a day studying the Bible and praying, which I usually don't. And those are some great religious habits. Those are important, right? You you cannot grow well in the Christian life unless you're connected to a Bible-believing church and meditating on God's Word. But if I do all of those things, pursue all of those religious habits with great vigor and energy, but I am a jerk to everyone around me, then I am missing something. That's what Jesus is saying. You can have all the right friends. You can be properly schooled. You can listen to only good music. You can not watch all the movies that have cuss words in them. You can avoid all the wrong websites. But if you are hypercritical and self-centered, then you're not really following Jesus. It's interesting. Jesus, when Jesus describes what holiness looks like, when holiness is on display, he describes it in the way that we relate to each other. He describes it in our relationships. And if you take verses 1 through 12 together, these verses don't all seem to connect to each other. But what Jesus is doing is he's describing our important relationships. He's describing how we relate to others, verses 1 through, um, verses one through 6, and then in verse 12. But he also describes how we relate to God. So Jesus is talking about our relationships. And today, we're going to focus on the first part of this, verses 1 through 6, and how we relate to other people. And what I want you to see is that humility and wisdom should mark our relationships. That's what Jesus says here, that our relationships should be marked by humility and wisdom. How does that look? Well, first, it looks like being charitable in your judgments. What does that mean? Judge is a a favorite word. These are actually a favorite verse. People, this this may be the most quoted verse in the Bible, or at least part of it, right? Do not judge. We often often like to apply this to ourselves uh, when someone corrects us. Don't judge me. Or we can use this phrase to avoid saying a hard thing to someone. Well, Jesus says we're not to judge. But what we're doing is we're actually cutting Jesus short. Jesus doesn't just say, don't judge. He keeps going. He says, don't judge, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is not saying that we can't make judgments. 
In fact, that would be impossible. What does it mean to judge? The word simply means to make a decision, to divide an issue. Uh, Think about what happens in a court of law. Uh, Two sides come and they present their case to the judge, and he has to decide. He has to make a judgment. That's what judging is. And so if Jesus were ruling out judgment altogether, well, we'd be in a hot mess. A civil law would mean nothing. Jesus is not forbidding judgment. He's not even saying that we can't form an opinion about what someone believes or even about someone's spiritual condition based on their behavior. Because then verse 6, which we'll talk about in a second, would make no sense, which requires us to make a judgment about the kind of person that we're dealing with. So Jesus can't be forbidding that either. He's not saying that we just turn a blind eye to evil or to wrongdoing. Again, that, if, that, if that were the case, then most of the New Testament wouldn't make any sense. Uh, we have to make judgments. It's very clear from reading just the writings of the New Testament uh, that we are to make some judgments about what's good and what's not good. Uh, so what is it that Jesus is telling us to not do? Well, first he's telling us to avoid being hypercritical. Let me... Uh, give you a a new phrase for you. This is a new Jeopardy phrase. You can impress your friends at dinner parties. Uh, Here it is. Fundamental attribution error. All right. I'll I'll repeat that again, again, so you can impress your friends. Fundamental attribution error. Three words. What is that? That is when you attribute another person's actions to their character. He cut me off in traffic because he's a jerk. But you attribute your own behavior to your circumstances. I cut him off in traffic because I was late for my son's ball game, and I've got to get there. You see the difference? You cut yourself some slack while unfairly judging someone else. For doing the exact same thing. In other words, you apply an uneven standard of judgment. You hold everyone else accountable to one standard. But you excuse yourself based on another standard. That's what Jesus is referring to. Jesus is warning us against judging others harshly or unfairly. Always being suspicious of others and their motives, being a fault finder. That's what Jesus tells us to be on the lookout for. In fact, he says that if we judge in this way, then the same measure of judgment will be used against us. And so here's what Jesus wants me to do when, when we've got someone under the microscope and we have all of their wrongs laid out in detail before us. Just just imagine yourself as the judge. And you've got uh, someone before you, a defendant before you. You've got all of the, the evidence that you need. And we are ready to drop the hammer. We are ready to lower the gavel and we are ready to pronounce sentence. Jesus wants us to pause right there 
and ask, are you ready for the same? If the roles were reversed, would you want the same measure of judgment used against you? That's what Jesus wants us to do. Are you prepared to be judged the way that you have judged others? What's the alternative? The alternative, uh, instead of being hypercritical, of course, is to be charitable. How do we do that? We do that first by correcting ourselves. Look at verse 3. Jesus says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out when there's a log in your own? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I want you to imagine how silly this would look. I'm kind of an expert in getting things in my eyes. So, and them being stuck there and not getting out. So I, I know how this feels. Um, you're working in the yard, and you hear your friend say, Oh, I've got something in my eye. And you say, How fortunate for them. I am a speck removal expert. And so you say, Hold on, I'll help you with that. And as you come around the corner... Your friend looks at you in horror and says, no thanks, I'm good, I don't need your help. And you kind of check up and you're like, well, who wouldn't want my help? And as you turn, you see your reflection in the window and notice that there is a three foot long two by four sticking out of your eye socket. That's the picture that Jesus is painting for us. That's how silly. Who, who's the one that needs the help? Clearly the one with the two-by-four sticking out of their head. Jesus says, deal with the two-by-four first. Then you can help your brother. Deal with your own blindness first so that you can see clearly to help your brother. And I want you to notice, he says, brother, multiple times. Jesus is talking about how, particularly, how we are to treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking about in the family, he's talking about in the kingdom, people who profess, who claim to be a part of the family of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you can say, oh, good, as long as I'm charitable inside the family, I can act morally superior to everybody else. That is not what Jesus is saying. That would also would contradict other parts of Scripture, Okay. We are to be charitable in our judgments by correcting ourselves first. So if we think we see an error in someone's life, how do we proceed? First, and throughout the process, we pray. We pray for humility. We pray that God would give us wisdom. We pray that God would slow us down. So that we can actually ask these questions. And then you examine yourself. You examine your motives. You ask, why am I so bent out of shape about this? What is it that I really 
care about here? What is it that I'm trying to accomplish? What do I want? That's how you check your motives. Examine your own motives. What is it that I want? What do I want to see happen in my brother or sister's life? But you also examine your own sin. Right? You ask God to reveal to you those areas where you've sinned in the same ways. In fact, I notice that the things that I typically judge others most harshly on are my besetting sins. I judge other people most harshly on the same things that I struggle with. And so I need to ask Jesus to reveal that to me, and I need to repent. I need to deal with that before the Lord. And then I can approach the brother or sister humbly. I can even ask, again, praying, Lord, what's the best way for me to address what I'm seeing? I've checked my motives. I'm trying to approach humbly. I've dealt with my sin. Now, what's the best way for me to deal with this? Do they see it? Is there a way I can help them to see it? That's how we begin. That's how we take the the log out of our own eye before we seek to help them with the speck. But then Jesus speaks to another kind of relationship in verse 6 where he says, Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. What's he talking about? Who are the dogs and the pigs? Well, in Jewish culture, dogs and pigs were not viewed favorably. They were unclean animals. Even my golden doodle would not be viewed favorably in Jewish culture. Um, Here, Jesus is speaking about people not just who are outside of the kingdom, but particularly those who have stubbornly and repeatedly rejected the gospel. Uh, Later on in a parable, Jesus describes the gospel as the pearl of great price. And he's saying that there comes a point at which, and I know this this sounds contrary to Jesus' character. doesn't seem to make sense with what we often believe about him. But Jesus is saying that there may come a time when you've gone as far as you can go with a person. And if they want to continue in their stubbornness, they want to continue to be dogged and pig-headed, then it's time to walk away. It's time to stop pursuing. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But And it's hard to imagine Jesus saying something like this, but let me illustrate it for you this way. Imagine that you have a diamond, a large, very valuable diamond, and you have a friend who's in great need, and you love this friend, And so you go to this friend and you say, here, I want to give this to you. And your friend says, no thanks, I don't want it. And you say, well, now listen, this is a really valuable diamond. This could be of great help to you. And your friend says, I'm not interested, no thank you. And you say, I, I, don't, I don't think you understand. 
All your credit cards are maxed out. Uh, your car, you, you owe more on your car than it's worth. You're upside down on your house. You are in debt beyond what you can manage, beyond what you can pay. Please take this. And your friend says, I'm telling you, I don't want it. Get away from me. I don't want to hear it again. What do you do? Do you keep pressing? Particularly if they say, if you keep talking to me, I'm going to run you over with my car. Do you keep, do you keep pursuing even when they have made it very clear that they are not interested in what you have to offer? You can't force them to take it. And the answer is no. And Jesus says, even in spiritual matters, there may come a time when you have to do that with someone else. Now, we need great, great wisdom. We live in a moment when canceling people that we don't agree with is very common. We like to use the word toxic to describe people uh, who don't get along with us and we think are harmful to our relationships. We've taken some maybe very good teaching about boundaries uh, and we've made those boundaries very thick. And we've said, nope, I'm just not going to do, I'm, I'm just not going to deal with difficult people in my life. That is not what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus does not treat you that way. And I've got some news for you. You're kind of difficult. Jesus, as we heard earlier, does not treat us as our sins deserve. And so we need great wisdom before we declare someone to be a dog or a pig. We need to make that move very, very slowly. And we also need to remember this. Jesus doesn't say, be angry with that person. Jesus doesn't say, stop praying for that person. But he is saying that there might come a time when you've done all you can do. And for your own good, it's time to stop. But we need great wisdom before we get to that point. So before you go someone who doesn't agree with you, plead with Jesus for wisdom and discernment. And never stop praying for that person. Which leads us to what we'll look at next week in our relationship with God. But to conclude today, Jesus is giving us a glimpse of what it means to truly be human. Of what real humanity looks like. What is it that empowers this kind of patience? This kind of humility? Charles Hodge, an American theologian uh, from the 1800s, says this. No man can be severe in his judgment who feels that the mild eyes of Christ are fixed upon him. If you have a tendency to be hypercritical and severe in your judgment of others, it may be that you don't understand just how mild Jesus' eyes are towards you. And that if you are in him, his severity does not rest on you, but his mercy. And so as you deal with other people, 
remember that mercy. Jesus himself will judge. He will come with severity one day, someday. In fact, Paul tells, tells us in Romans 14 that we will, all, we will all stand or fall before our own master. And so maybe that's a good way of looking at life within the church. You are not the master of anyone here. Jesus is. If you have a difference of opinion, then that's what it is. And you can hold that firmly, but not hypercritically. Let each one stand or fall before his own master. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't know what it means to have his mild eye resting upon you. I pray that you would today. That you would trust in him. That you would rest upon him for salvation alone. As, he'd offer, as he's offered in the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to be gracious with one another and wise. Whenever we have to make a judgment, and we will, would you give us your character? Would you remind us of how you've treated us, of how you've loved us, so that we can carry that same character, that same mercy to others. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.